Welcome to the Moments of Joy podcast. My name is Camille Joy and I'm the host of this show. This podcast is dedicated to a very special group of parents, parents raising children with disabilities. There are an estimated 240 million children across the globe living with disabilities. And here on this podcast, it is my goal to create community for the parents raising them. Community locking arms from all over the globe. I pray that as you listen to each episode that has been handcrafted for you, you leave encouraged, you leave strengthened, you leave educated, and you even leave with some resources. So come on into the room, take off your shoes, relax, come on and take a seat on the couch and let Let's experience moments of joy. Welcome back to another episode of the Moments of Joy podcast. Today, I have a very special guest with us, and her name is Misty Coy Snyder. I know that every single time we have a guest, I call them all special, and I'm so excited about every single one, but I can't help it. Um, this mom, I I can't even remember exactly how we stumbled upon each other, but I'm pretty sure it was through Instagram Reels. That's where the magic happens. <laughs> and we tend to always follow people like us, right? Moms who are like us and advocating and sharing stories. And, um, and so here we are. Misty, welcome to the show. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. I, I actually found you, um, You, I think a reel of yours was on the Beauty Mart community page. Yes. And I, followed them and I saw you and I just, uh, I, I was so thankful for your honesty and vulnerability and willingness to share. Yes. Thank you. The Beauty Mart community page, Amanda, I met her on Clubhouse and she um, would participate sometimes in some of our support groups. Because She's awesome. Is, yeah, amazing. <laughs> and so um, here you are today, and we've kept in touch for quite some time now. And um, I love your little guy. I love how you're sharing your story. And um, let's get into it. <laughs> and so your page is about Down syndrome. You do a lot of advocacy uh, because your son was born with Down syndrome. And so can you bring us back to that moment? where um, you received his diagnosis. Yes, I can. It was in March of 2020. I was about 14 weeks pregnant, and it was about two weeks before everything shut down. And I was so excited to be pregnant. I'd I'd had a miscarriage before Jed. I have an older son who's almost five now, but at the time he was was, um, not even two. And we were trying to have um, another baby and I'd had a miscarriage. So this pregnancy was so wanted and and celebrated. And the only reason I decided to do genetic testing was because uh, I was convinced I was having a girl because everything felt different than it did with my first son. And so I wanted to know, am I having a girl? Because if so, I want all the frilly girl things. And uh, so I did genetic testing and it took a long time for me to Mm. hear anything back. 
And I remember thinking, this is really strange. Why haven't they called me? They even gave me a little like portal I could sign on and like see nothing. There was no results. And um, on March 6th, 2020, I had gone to a, <clears throat> I was, I'm a singer and I was leading a group of women in song at a, at a Bible study. And um, I came back and was about to take a nap and I turned my phone off, the ringer off. And out of nowhere, I just like shot up and looked at my phone. And sure enough, it said, OB. Mm. And I picked up the phone. I was so excited. And the other the other voice on on the phone was not um, excited. She was, I could tell, she was nervous. Mm. I could tell she was, um, there was just like the whole tone was somber. Yeah. And um, she sort of told me a few things that came back okay. And then she said, you know, your child is um, high risk for trisomy 21. Mm. And I mean, I think I said, oh, my God. Like, I just was so I, – I was, it was so out of left field. I was so not expecting to hear anything like that. And I don't think anybody does. And mm -hmm. I said, well, what does that mean? You mean, like, Down syndrome? And she said, yes. Um, I said, well, what do you mean high risk? And she said, nine of ten chance that your child – well, I think she said your fetus will have Down syndrome – and mm. she was about to hang up and I said, wait a second, like, what is, what is the baby? What's the sex of the baby? That's the whole reason I took this test. And she said, the fetus is a boy. Wow. And I walked down the stairs and I was trying, luckily my husband was here and I just fell into a million pieces at the bottom of the stairs. I like threw down my phone and just started sobbing. And all I could think about was, my life is over. Every aspiration and dream I've ever had mm. is done. And I will be one of those sacrificial lambs that has to take care of someone for the rest of my life. Oh my and God. I was scared and I, my head went to some really dark places. But I'm really grateful that my husband was there to say, you know, this is our child and we will love him. And we just hugged and cried. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I, I'm sitting here in a, whew, so relatable, so relatable, but I I didn't even want to go that forward, but I, I, all I could think about is the joy that you represent now. <laughs> My goodness. But, you know, I can't imagine um, just the feeling. And, and I think that I, I always say, and I, this is something that I've said to you, that um, although we have different diagnoses, right, we relate because um, Down syndrome is what the Lord used to help me to be okay with Mason being autistic. And I shared really? that with you. Yeah, I, I think I shared it, but you may have forgotten. I said, oh, no. Wow. Yep. One day I was in prayer. And I was going through this stage where I was trying to pray it away. And I say that often because I just, as a Christian, I just didn't know, you know, I was just like, well, he can, you know, this is, this is not his reality. You know, I'm going to pray this away. 
And one day when I was praying for Mason, the Lord said, would you be trying to pray this away if he had Down syndrome? And I sat up on the bed and I was like, no, no, what do you mean? And then I sat with it. And that's when I began to accept because no, obviously I, there's nothing I could do. I would then pray over his future and that shifted my prayers for Mason. Mm-hmm. What, how, how, tell me again how old Mason was when you, when you got his diagnosis. He was um, almost two. Wow. Mm-hmm. I, I, I hadn't remembered you sharing that with me. That, that's really powerful because it's, it's interesting how I think God gives you a glimpse of something sometimes before, mm-hmm. maybe before you're ready to accept your own reality. Sometimes he gives you a glimpse of something else to get mm-hmm. you ready for it. Right. Because I think he is a gracious God and mm-hmm. he, he does things on his time and not on ours. Absolutely. Um, and the night before I got this call that I told you about, I had gone to see a play, mm. a high school production with a friend. And I noticed in the play, it had like 60 kids in it, but I noticed in a big production number that there was a girl with Down syndrome. Wow. And, I, and I, I just watched her and watched her and watched her. And I'm an actor and I have never seen a person with Down syndrome on stage. She was mm-hmm. the only one I'd seen. So I was watching her and thinking, wow, this director like put her in and like, he isn't trying to hide her. She's here. Like she's in it. And I I remember this joy that sort of like rose up in me. And, um, while I was sitting at the bottom of the stairs crying with my husband, her face came into my mind. Oh my God. Similar to what you're saying. Like when you sat up in bed and you're thinking this was down to syndrome. I feel like that was so gracious of God mm-hmm. to give me that experience the night before, mm-hmm. like to have a real tangible thing to like hold on to. Like I had even said to my friend, wow, she was amazing. Did you see her? She was so right. great. That was so cool and how inclusive and how wonderful. And I was rejoicing in wow. her life. And here I was with a baby in my belly that I was like devastated. I was mm-hmm. terrified. I was mm-hmm. so terrified. And God yeah. gave me that that visual of her face. Yeah. Because we don't know what the future brings. All of, you know, those thoughts that you described, we just don't know. We're not into advocacy yet. We don't know any groups yet. We we just only know what we've seen growing up. And for most of us, we've never been taught anything about, you know, children who are different, anything kind, you know, uh, we just learned along the way. That is absolutely beautiful. So a- after that moment, um, what, was your husband strong for you or was he, did he join you in, in your raw feelings? So I would say that he, my husband and I are very different mm-hmm. um, personality wise. So I am a, I am all or nothing. So I'm mm-hmm. all in or I'm not at all. <laughs> and my husband's much more like, like even keel. And yeah. so I would say that he remained pretty even keel throughout mm-hmm. throughout the pregnancy, and I give him so much credit for that. Um, I, he had to deal with so many of my tears because, it, I mean, in all honesty, I was the one who had to go to the appointments by myself in a pandemic. Yeah. I yeah. was the one who had to wow. hear, had no idea 
like yeah. what I was going to hear every single appointment. And, and there were even doctors who were like, you can't even like be on the phone with him right now. Like wait until after, like you just, I never knew what I was going to face. And I think my husband had a lot of grace for that. Like yeah. you were the one in real time dealing with this stuff. Mm-hmm. And so I think he took on the role of like, you know, um, kind of a solid ground emotionally mm-hmm. um, because I was all over the place. Yeah. And I will say that I think the thing that kind of like put us on the same page, so he went from like comforting me at the bottom of the stairs to, and for two days I didn't get out of bed. I was crying. I couldn't stop crying. I, mm-hmm. I called people. I reached out, but nothing was helping. Right. And um, so we found out on a Friday, couldn't get out of bed Monday uh, we had an appointment with our genetic counselor and he, that it was right before the shutdown. So that was the last thing my husband was able to go to. Mm. And we went together and we sat in her office and I remember just praying. Like it was almost one of those prayers that you don't even realize you're praying. Like you're just, please God, please God, please God, please God. And I was just praying like, please God help her not be negative about this. I cannot have a, a doom and gloom experience right now. Mm-hmm. Like, please, please. Because yeah. I'd heard some horror stories about some genetic counselors. Yeah. And we went in her office and it was like the spirit of God was there with us. She was just, she wasn't like flowers and rainbows, which mm-hmm. would have been annoying. Mm-hmm. And she wasn't dark. She mm-hmm. just was like, look, like, here's how it happened. She like yeah. explained to us like the science behind it. Yeah. And um, nothing you did caused this. It's the moment of conception. And um, she like spoke to fears that I didn't even know I had. And then she started talking about siblings of children with Down syndrome and how they say they are better people because of their siblings. And she started Mm -hmm. giving some stats and whatever. She picked up on the fact that we were not terminating this pregnancy. So she never, ever brought it up. She never, she did offer me the amnio, Mm -hmm. but she was a perfect example of like, I'm going to give you resources. I'm going to give you facts, right? Mm -hmm. And I feel like we need more doctors and medical professionals to be that way. That yes, it's our our choice what we're going to do with that information, but it's important for us to have the full story. And so that's what she, she gave us. And that was a turning point for me. She told me about the Down Syndrome Diagnosis Network. I got connected with other moms who were pregnant, and I was kind of off to the races at that point. It doesn't mean it wasn't a tremendously hard pregnancy, mm-hmm. but I, something switched at that yeah. point, and I was like, okay, I'm doing this. <laughs> that was going to be my question next. How was the pregnancy different from your first because of Down Syndrome? I mean, they're not even comparable. I thought there were so many moments in my pregnancy with Judd that I thought, I'm just going to, I'm just going to die. Like Mm -hmm. I can't, no person can handle this much stress. Mm -hmm. I remember thinking I'm going to blow up with stress. Yeah. Um, And, and even after I'd sort of accepted the diagnosis, now it wasn't a hundred percent confirmed until he was born, but I knew, I knew. Right. And it was just it, the pandemic adds such a specific layer to it. Oh yes, but we all know. I think that's a that's a point 
that we all had things during mm-hmm. the pandemic, whether you lost a loved one and you couldn't, you couldn't go to a funeral or you were getting married and you couldn't celebrate with your family or whatever. We all had grief Absolutely. during, during the pandemic. Mm-hmm. And that added a whole other layer, but just this feeling of, I can't even hug anyone. Like I can't, I can't hug and cry. I had my husband, of course, and my son, but we were just so isolated. Yeah. And that feeling of like, I just wish I could have like a group of women just like come over me and pray for me. Yeah. I didn't yeah. get that, you know? Mm-hmm. And that was, that was really hard. That was, yeah. I think the grief that I still have mm-hmm. is that. Yeah, absolutely. This The pandemic was hard. There are so many things. Now I'm seeing so many divorces and popping up. And my response is always, the pandemic was so hard. And people are like, you always say that. I'm like, but it was. It changed people. It made people, you know, look at the face of maybe who they were with, which work separated them for years and, you know, Maybe they were on different schedules and now they're like, who is this? Yeah. <laughs> so it, it added a lot of pressure in many different ways. And um, and so when you had the baby, um, what was that like? Oh, that <laughs> it was like from, from darkness to light. Mm-hmm. Um, he was... Just the the moment I saw him, I was I was so in love with him, and it, I mean, very similar to my first son. Mm-hmm. But uh, I didn't have all the fears with my first son that I had yeah. with Jet. So I was surprised mm-hmm. that I was just instantly in love with him, and um, that has not been everybody's experience. So I'm definitely right. I definitely want to make that clear that many of us talk about the other side, like. In the Down syndrome community, we say the pregnancy is so hard, but wait till the other side. That's not everybody's reality. And the fact of that, the the things that I want to speak to on that are mm-hmm. many of our children do spend time in the NICU. Yeah. My son had seven days in the NICU and those days were so brutal, so hard. You know, I, it's not natural. It's not natural for a, a mom to have to leave her baby behind. That's not natural. And, and, and so that there was grief with that. Um, and I did have moments in the first few weeks where I was just overwhelmed with all the early intervention stuff coming at me, Mm -hmm. but Jed himself has always been nothing but (sighs) joy. (laughs) That's, that's really, that's why, that's why happiness exists is because I was blown away. Mm-hmm. The joy that he brought to me instantly, you know, from the yeah. moment I first held him and he locked eyes with me and like looked in my soul. And I thought, I'm, I'm tired. I must be imagining this. Like he has not blinked. He has not looked away from me once. <laughs> I must be, I must be hallucinating. Right. The next, the next day, my husband was holding him and I saw tears coming down his face and he said, he's just staring at He's wow. just looking into my soul and he just, he's such a, I can't say enough about Chet. So right. <laughs> he's, he's, um, he's really special. Yeah. I think the, one of the reasons why I wanted to, um, shift the podcast because before the end of last year, it was a podcast for moms and, and I rebranded 
it to make it for special needs parents um, was to hear that story of the diagnosis and the joy that comes after because it's so relatable. I think for parents who receive a diagnosis or they may think something's a little different, it's important for them to hear that it's it's not going to be a doom and gloom story. You know, even when there may be health conditions and there may be doctor's appointments and therapy, even when, um, you know, there's happiness and joy. <laughs> and in, in your, in your platform moments of joy, mm-hmm. um, I think the moments is really important Yeah, because I don't know if you're this way, but for me, it was just like an umbrella of hard. Like it's all going to be hard. My whole existence is going to be hard. And the the actual truth of it is there are moments that are really hard Mm -hmm. and there are moments that are more joyful than I could ever explain. Mm -hmm. So being in the moment, I love that you call it moments of joy because Mm -hmm. when we can take those moments and those nuggets and those glimmers of hope throughout every single day, we can, those moments of hard can be can can we can get through those because yeah. we have so many moments of joy. Yes, you know, Absolutely. it's brilliant the way you. I love that title because thanks so, so much. True, I can't take any credit. I was literally sitting on the couch and and this podcast is four years old and you know moments of joy. My middle name is Joy, but God knew all the way. So here we are today, four years later, right? <laughs> and it didn't even start. It just started with me sharing and telling my testimony. I had no real niche or, you know, audience that I was speaking to. But, yeah. That's amazing. for now. We had yeah. a plan. Mm-hmm. We had a plan. Um, I definitely related to the NICU. Mason was in the NICU with um, his heart condition 10 days. And so when I came out, I was just so much on autopilot and going and moving and doing what I knew to take care of him and the rest of my family. And um, I stayed home, I think, for his first three months. But what I didn't realize until he was about two and a half years old was all that time I was going through postpartum depression and I didn't know until I came out of it. And I was Mm -hmm. like, I felt so foggy and not like myself the whole time. I just didn't know because I did bomb with my baby. I didn't feel disconnected with Mason. It was just the rest of the world. (laughs) I didn't want to be bothered with when normally I'm very extroverted. I love people, you know, so I think it's important for us to pay attention to ourselves even in those moments after and know that, Mommy needs care too because the NICU is a lot. Mm. It is Even a lot for an extra day. Oh man, there are people that I meet through happiness is down syndrome who have been there for months, mm-hmm. months, and there, if that is a that is a really, really, really specific situation that when people have experienced it, they have to come together mm-hmm. because you know, at seven days, I thought I was gonna die. I mean, yeah. I, I'm, you know, I'm mm-hmm. just, my hat 
my hat is off to the people who have to go through such a long stint there because that is such a specific, really difficult experience. Yeah, and it's why I always give extra to the Ronald McDonald House now. You know, growing up and seeing it, I never paid any attention until I actually participated in in going to the house across the street from the hospital. Oh my gosh. But what was that experience like? Was it Oh my gosh, it was so beautiful. Um it was a social worker that came in around day two and told us that we could go to the Ronald McDonald House. They had Mason had his surgery at Yale Hospital in Connecticut because we're from Connecticut and right across the street. You don't have to worry about anything. They feed you. They give you this great big bag of toiletries and snacks and everything else that you can think of. And if you come with other children, they make sure your other children are okay. They have game rooms. They have family meals every night. Um, people on staff to do homework with so you can if your child is getting treatment for cancer or having surgery you can go there and be okay that sounds amazing it's so amazing yeah so now I see the little house I'm like I'm gonna give my extra dollars (laughs) because out of sight out of mind you have no idea what it's for wow so so let's move on to today yeah. Um, how, what kind of services or, you know, interventions, therapies do you have to have for your son? We have, um, <clears throat> let's see, we have physical therapy, occupational therapy, uh, developmental intervention. Um, what did I miss? Uh, OT, PT, DI, and speech. We mm-hmm. have speech. Um, so he has four therapies a week and I have, um, a caseworker who I meet with every other week. Um, we've been really blessed by way of therapies and that is not the case for everybody. And so I, I want to say that, um, but we have been so blessed in New Jersey where we currently live. Early intervention is really stellar, um, Mm -hmm. in our County is really, really, really good. Um, I felt in in so many ways that I was kind of handed a silver platter of wonderful therapists. And mm-hmm. as soon as someone would have to leave, they like replaced them, like lickety split. I had, there was never any like lagging. Um, we have been so blessed in that way. Uh, and, you know, Jed had infantile spasms at six months old and had mm-hmm. to miss months of therapies. And, uh, uh, his therapists helped him, helped him, you know, just step right back up and le- and pick up where we left off. It, that was really, really hard because are the spasms a part of how Down syndrome sometimes shows up? So actually, no, they're actually really, really rare. So um, the spa- infantile spasms in in, in um, for children who don't have Down syndrome, it's usually a an indicator of some sort of brain damage, and so um, they they're very very dangerous in terms of if you don't catch them like quick enough mm. um, within t- typical children because that probably means they have to have an MRI and see what's going on. Yeah. Within Down syndrome, <clears throat> excuse me, it's rare, but it's not as alarming because their brains are made up differently. And so um, we had this amazing neurologist, um, I mean, top in her field. She actually ended up leaving the hospital and now she does research 
for epilepsy and infidel spasms. She's like a mm-hmm. huge, amazing scientist. But she came in and she said, here's what your son has. You caught it early. Um, we're going to do an MRI to make sure there's not a further problem. But I'm fairly confident this is just something that that happened. It happens in 6% of children wow. with Down syndrome. And here's how we're going to treat it. And he's going to be great. And we ha- we had eight weeks of very intense treatment, meaning uh, steroids. I mean, mm-hmm. <laughs> huge mm-hmm. dosage of steroids. His personality mm-hmm. left. He blew up like a balloon. It was so hard. It was yeah. so hard. But yeah. – he had a spasm the day after he came out of the hospital and never again, praise God. Oh, that's so um, we are just counting our blessings for that. Again, mm-hmm. that is not everybody's experience. Right. Um, happiness, we have a um, infantile spasm group if this mm-hmm. happens to anyone who listens. Yeah. Um, but uh, that was hard. Yeah, so, I can imagine. Um, but we, we, we got through it. Yeah. I just realized that I didn't ask you what Down syndrome is. I think for a lot of listeners and viewers, we know what Down syndrome is by the look, but we don't really know what it is. So yeah. can you tell us? Yeah, they they have, so um, we have 46 um, chromosomes and mm-hmm. um, our beautiful children have 47 and it just means we like to, we talk a lot about extra. <laughs> so they have an extra chromosome. So, you know, there are health. It's I, I want to make this distinction because I think, and especially in the past two weeks, there's been a lot of assumptions about Down syndrome mm-hmm. that I that I make it my mission, as I know you do. We want to tell the truth and we want to dispel myths or misconceptions. Mm-hmm. And um for the longest time, Down syndrome was labeled as like, they're sick and yeah. suffering. And I I can't speak for everyone. And I know that there are sick and suffering people with Down syndrome and people who don't have Down syndrome, right? Like right, there's right. levels of suffering in every disability, whether it's emotional or physical, like, but it's the human condition to have suffering. So I Absolutely. just want to say that. Absolutely. Um, but there is a blanket statement that because your child has Down syndrome, they are sick. Mm. And that is not true. There are plenty of people who have Down syndrome that aren't sick, that live healthy, thriving lives, live to 60 and above. Yeah. So we have to dispel that myth. There are risks that come with Down syndrome. 50% are born with a heart defect. But that is not a um, death sentence the way it was in the 50s and before and the 60s and the 70s. We've come so far, so far. And you know, you can speak to this more than I am sure with, with yeah. a heart condition. Jed mm-hmm. does have a, um, uh, an ASD, but it's, it, it's kind of inconsequential. It's so small. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so there are heart defects, but we live in a day and age, praise God, where they can fix things and there is a huge success rate and those people Chris Nickich who runs all the marathons and the Ironman and he's he has Down syndrome he yeah. had a heart defect he had heart surgery and he's thriving yeah. so we have to dispel that myth that it just automatically comes with sickness we mm-hmm. have to dispel the myth that um, uh, they can't ever walk or talk or or live full lives or get married or any of those yeah. things that's not true that's it is right. not true so, uh, yeah, 
be passionate about that. <laughs> yes. And is that, um, do you want to speak a little bit about what you've currently been posting reels about and um, what we've seen on that Netflix show? Yeah. So, mm-hmm. um, so there is a show on Netflix called Love is Blind and there were two contestants that were, um, you know, about to get engaged and they were discussing if we were to have kids um you know, what would you do if your child had a birth defect or, and she specifically mentioned Down syndrome mm-hmm. and uh, the, the, the part, her potential fiance said, it wouldn't matter to me. I'd take a baby with four toes, whatever. Mm-hmm. He gave a couple examples. It wouldn't matter to me. And she said, for me, it's different. And I want to make sure to give the quote that, that is mm-hmm. bothersome to us. She said, for me, if I knew that I could try again and hope that the second time it's better, then mm-hmm. I would go that route. Mm-hmm. And because she is a speech therapist and because she's specifically- oh! <laughs> That took my breath away. Okay. Okay. Right? Oh! So you know what we're, okay. She's a speech therapist. She's worked with many families, she said, Down syndrome. And to, uh, she said, you know, I, these families are, so I would come home crying and they're sad and they've suffered trauma and there's, she's speaking in to our experience. Yeah. What I hold issue with is that number one, we are never to say that one life is better than another. This isn't, this isn't, I'm not, the thing that upsets me is that this often becomes politicized. Like I'm saying, you know, you don't have a right. You do have a right, whatever. That's not what this is about. What Mm -hmm. this is about is no matter what your stance is politically, it is never okay to say that people who are living right now with Down syndrome are not as are, are less better than a person with 46 chromosomes. That's not okay. It's not acceptable in 2022. Mm-hmm. And any other minority group would be up in arms about that kind of statement. Absolutely. So it is it is unacceptable. And uh, uh, as a speech therapist, she might have thought that that gave her the authority to speak into our lives, but it does not. Mm -hmm. It is still a secondhand experience. And the reason I I love that you put moments of joy Mm -hmm. is because we have moments of joy and we have moments of extreme hardship. And and for me, if if she were my speech therapist and I knew that I'd gone to her with tears in my eyes and gone, we are struggling with this thing. Right. so hard and, and, and I'm showing honest, real emotion. Uh-huh. And then it's used to say that my life is sad and my child is sad and our experience is sad. Uh-uh. Mm-hmm. I have zero trust for you now That's because right. that was me. I have vulnerable moments. Anybody has hard yeah, moments. Absolutely. So uh, we are, we are upset. We are upset right. and we're asking for some sort of acknowledgement. We've, mm-hmm. I've, I've been on the news. I've written to Netflix. I've written to Nancy Rodriguez. She's yeah. blocked all of us who have reached out to yeah. her. Um, we just want some acknowledgement that our community has been hurt by those statements. Mm-hmm. And if they want to know about people with Down syndrome, they can come and talk to us. Yes. Yes. And, and you know, you sharing that is so needed. I saw so many parents and, um, you know, adults who have Down syndrome sharing the same sentiments and it is so needed, you know, not just for her to come out and apologize, but for the rest of the world to be educated on what's not okay to say, you know, to have a shift in their mindset and 
you know, it's so needed. So thank you so much for your courage. Thank you for letting me speak on it. And I think I just, I think we need to be a society that lets the people who, who have experienced it firsthand speak, speak to it, you know, I would never ever speak into your community without knowing what you've gone through. Never. That's why I talk to you because I'm here Mm -hmm. to learn, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think, um, we should not be discouraged from getting into spaces where our voices can be heard and where they can learn from our experiences. Um, I've been talking to a scientist lately and she's been speaking to me about the lack of people of color who sign up for studies. So when speech pathologists and um, people who are going to school to be doctors they have information on autistic children. It's not from any children that have been black. Mm. And it's because we're not participating in studies. And so mm. So yeah. what are you what are you what are you hoping to, to yeah. do with that? I'm going to we're right now creatively trying to um come up with a way I probably will have her on the show and um come up with a way for parents to begin to participate. It's paid whenever you participate in a study. And it's just to help people who are coming along after, because I read a lot of studies. And so when I read a study that says parents raising children with special needs have, have um, anxiety and depressive symptoms over those who are raising typical children. And that's why it's important to prioritize our mental health. Or I read studies on different things. It hit my heart to know, wow, they're not talking about me or my child, actually. Mm -hmm. So it really made me want to participate in things like that and also Mm -hmm. encourage my community to because Mm -hmm. we've not trusted doctors, you know, for good reasons, but but we should absolutely participate in things like that. And it takes someone like you stepping up Mm -hmm. and saying, let's do this. Let's do this for People like me, let's mm-hmm. do this to for so that we can change the trajectory. Because like you said, it's going to help over the long haul. Mm-hmm. If there's a person in your position that can look and go, wow, this yeah. study was done. And this is how many people of color participated in that study. That's important to know. Yeah. It's a diff- it, there, there's so much of our journeys are nuanced. Yeah. And I think that that's really important to know. I had a woman reach out to me in this, who's a single mom. And she said, your experience within having your child with Down syndrome is very different than mine. Mm-hmm. And I'd like you to be able to acknowledge that. And I said, you know what? You're right. I was raised by a single mom. That's not easy. Mm-hmm. That is not easy. And, and I can't speak to being a single mom. So you need to. Right. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. But we have to speak. When we have children who are different, we have to speak. These things are important because they determine dollars that are put into our children. They determine the systems that are put into place to not only diagnose, but to treat. And when neurologists go to test the brain and they've come up with this way of testing, it's not even been counted with you and mine, because our hair doesn't fit. Our hair goes against the grain. It's too thick. And sometimes they can't read. So they've not tested us. And, and the masses, the books that we read, they're, 
we are not in the number. And so once I took on the heavy weight, I've been taking time to chew on it. And, and I met with her three times so that I could fully grasp, you know, you know, it's hard to take in. That, that blows, that blows my mind. Mm-hmm. That is, I, I, I wouldn't have even yeah. thought of it. That's incredible. Me either. Me either. Just that little piece got me. And, you know, week after week, as she began to tell me more, I was sad, but then I was like, wow, this is, this can make a huge difference once we, once we just share that there's a study that they can participate in. You are doing such incredible work. I'm so encouraged to hear you digging into that. And I think that's what's so hard is that when you, when you find something new, when you uncover something new, mm-hmm. uh, it, 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 there are layers of pain where yeah. you're just like, ah. I'm not, I'm not seen, I'm not identified. Or like when I, when I realize when I have these conversations with people about what mm-hmm. happened on that show, that yeah, yeah a, a majority of people don't value my child. Okay. Yeah. All yeah. right. Okay. That's yeah. a tough pill to swallow. I, 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 I have a lot of work to do, you know? Yes. But and thank then God we put into the position where we are making a difference. So I, I just want to encourage you further just to know that you're making a difference beyond what you see, right? Because you impact one person, but that person will go impact others and, and your seed will continually live on. So, you know, I'm so proud of the work you're doing. I am so proud of your growth. I, I just, I love you. <laughs> oh, Camille, I love you too. And I'm so grateful to talk to you and I admire you so much and I am, I'm here for your community in whatever way that I can be. I I just believe so much in what you're doing so much. Thank you so much. All right. So you have to talk about happiness with Down syndrome in the, in the uh, community that you've built. Yeah. Happiness is Down syndrome is my, is my platform. And, um, I, uh, it, it was, from God. It was in the middle of the night and I started singing. I'm a musical theater actor and I started singing this song from You're a Good Man, Charlie Brown. Happiness is finding a pencil, knowing a secret, having such fun. It's like this really simple childlike song mm-hmm. and talking about simple joys, like having a, an ice cream cone and, you know, tying a shoe for the very first time. And I realized that is my, that is this journey that I'm on. It's the simple joys. It's the simple pieces of happiness that that make this journey so unique and so beautiful and so sort of outside the realm of what people would would assume. Yeah. And um, and I thought I want to show moms uh, with their babies in happy moments, little moments, feeding the ducks and pushing on the swings and yeah. everyday moments. I want to show that. I want to make a video. So I raised money. I made a video and I happened to talk to someone who was um, in, in marketing and strategy and videos. And she said, you need to have a place where people can go that if they see this video on YouTube, because I really wanted something that like if they type in Down syndrome, that right. something like I did, something happy would come up, you right. know, and um, even if it's five things down the road, they're going to be looking, right? And so um, she said, you, you need to have a place that people can go. And that's how Happiness is Down Syndrome started. It literally started with the stories. I had 12 women in the video and I had mm-hmm. them share all their stories and it was wow. just their stories. And then 
more people wanted to tell and more people and more people and more people, if you build it, they will come. I mean, I, I talked to moms in India and Dubai and Pakistan, no. and I mean, they're, they're coming, they're coming. They may not even understand what I'm saying, but like, I, I'll say, if you speak another language, um, will you say this on happiness? And I can put yeah. it up so that people know they're welcome here. Everybody is welcome here. And, and there are so many countries where they don't feel seen. They don't have anybody. They don't have resources. They don't have anything. And if they can come to one place on the internet and be like, oh, I may not understand this language, but I know that look on their face and I think I know what they're doing, you know, yeah. and then they can reach out to me and I can go to Google Translate and start talking to them. We've made a connection, right? And so that happens. And it's 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 God's it's it is is God's thing because it has grown so much that I don't even know what to do with it at this point. I'm like, God, what do you want me to do with it? It's literally yeah. just a community. It's not a nonprofit, yeah. it's not a business. Mm. But I know that it's his and I know that there are people and lives being touched and it's so outside of me. It, I am literally the facilitator and the the person who brings it to to happen, but mm-hmm. it is, um, it's God's way of, it's a, it's a, it's such a sweet, it's such a sweet thing. From yeah. Him. Yeah. That's so. beautiful. Well, Misty, before we go, I would love to have you speak to the parents about, um, you know, taking care of themselves and, you know, so many parents experience caregiver burnout and they just go, 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 never taking care of themselves. Um, what do you do to make sure that your mental health is intact and you practice self-care and then, you know, also give them advice to do so? Well, it's funny you're asking me this now because we were sick for the entire month of October and wow. literally did not leave our house. Um, and mm-hmm. I was thinking I had a lot of time to think and I had a lot of time to realize what I have not been doing and what I've been doing too much of. Mm-hmm. And, um, I think the number one thing to remember is that we are not, I think a lot of people outside of the disability community label us as like, you're super mom. I can yeah. never do that. You're a saint, right? Yeah. Like all these things, all these catchphrases that we hear and people mean it well, but it's not true. Right. We are, we are, we are everyday people with limitations. And yes, we've been given more knowledge than maybe the average Joe because we've had to. But that doesn't mean that we don't have the same needs as somebody who doesn't have as many demands. Mm -hmm. And so I really had to look in the mirror and say, excuse me, and say, um, what can I let go of? Mm -hmm. And I I found a few things that I could let go of. And some of them were real sacrifices. My husband and I just got rid of our second car because we, uh, I want to stop, I wanted to stop the job that I was working, the part-time job that I was working and find more stuff online that I could invest in and, you Mm -hmm. know, whatever, because we are very much a paycheck to paycheck family and we have a tight budget. So we got, we got rid of our second car and we're like, we're like, okay, what are some other things we can cut so that I can Mm -hmm. be home that when, when everything happens at the same time and we're all sick, that I can be here, that I can really be here and, and that I can take the time for me. So For me, it's looking in the mirror and seeing what I can do without so that I can ultimately have more, you know, what can I I surrender Mm -hmm. to ultimately have more? And, uh, I found those things and I guess my recommendation to, to anybody would just be, you know, that's going to look different for everyone. 
but to remember that some short-term sacrifices or short-term changes to help the overall trajectory mm-hmm. are really important thing to look at. And if we all yeah. sit down and think about things, there, there are things we can say no to. There are things we can let go of and not because, oh, poor us, but no, I care. I love myself and my family. And so I'm going to do this for ultimate yeah. victory. That's right. That's really good. One small change. Um, for me, it's been Mental Health Monday. Every Monday I'm screaming, Mental Health Monday. And I shout out the, I shut out the world. Um, it sounds crazy, but it, it helps. I don't do anything. I don't do work. My kids know now. Anything extra you want me to bring you to your friend's house or the gym or no, not on Mondays. Anything. Mm. Now my husband knows it's your mental health day because I was at my limit. And if I if I did nothing about it, we wouldn't be happy here. <laughs> right. I, wouldn't, I wouldn't have time. And I chose Monday. Has it helped you? Oh, tremendously. I also have therapy on Monday as well. So it, it really is a time of reflection and just loving on me. I don't always go anywhere. I don't always have to spend money, but it has helped tremendously. That's tremendously. So I, I'm, a, I'm a huge proponent of therapy as well. So I yeah. just wanted to throw that yeah. out there. <laughs> have someone to talk Listen. to. <laughs> so where can the listeners find you, Misty? Uh, happiness is Down Syndrome, just as it sounds. Misty Coy Snyder, which is just my name. Um, and Misty Coy Snyder, that platform is more about reflecting on my journey specifically with Jed, where happiness is more, is a community page. So I'm sharing the stories of other people with a little bit of us in it too. Um, and I am on TikTok. Uh, I'm not as good about TikTok, but I am on it. And that's also Misty Coy Snyder. And, uh, if you want to check out, um, the video I was talking about, you can go to YouTube and just type in happiness is down syndrome and that video will come up. Um, I'm also in production for a new one this week. We're making a new one with a song I wrote. Um, and, uh, that'll be out soon and exciting thing. We'll see what, we'll see. It's like an adventure. Like I never know what's next, right? Yes. (laughs) Thank you so much. I'm so sorry for keeping you so long. It was so good, but um, okay, we have to wrap up. (laughs) So you guys follow Misty on social media and check out everything that she is doing with her precious baby boy. And don't forget, you always have the option to choose joy. Bye-bye.